All right, Modern Problem Show. I'm back at Royal Fox Studio. <laughs> for- Hardly, mister. <laughs> Listen, Mr. Davy Love. <laughs> the people are going to hear what happened in this studio today. Oh, yeah. Shall I tell them? Go ahead. You can All tell. All right, Davy, nice to meet you. Nice you guys to meet are you. amazing. Introduce your beautiful co-host once again. Laura Merrill in the house. She's Hi. fantastic. Yes, she is. Because, you know, usually I judge and hate beautiful women, but I don't have to now because she's very lovely and nice <laughs> and smart. So there goes my stereotype out of the window. <laughs> but here's what happened. You guys are going to hear. The you first... were ready to roast. And then yeah, you were like, I could, oh, and I was like, yeah. oh, she's cool. Yeah. Uh, pretty and smart. Don't like that combination. No. But what happened touch was, that. you yeah. guys are going to hear about 10 minutes where Davey has no microphone on. And it was no. so good that we're going to play it anyway. Because yes. me and Laura were like, fuck the patriarchy. And we shut his mic off. Yep. So You Lou Ferrigno'd my I, mic. You Lou <laughs> your mic. We'll talk very much about him in that. So let's play that. That beautiful part where only you can hear me and you, which is really what we need, Laura. Right. Of course. And then we'll get back to the conversation. Yes. All right. Davey Love in the house. We are broadcasting from Royal Fox Studio 415 Hal Ave, Shelton, Connecticut. Uh, I got my lovely co-host with me, Laura Merrill. What's going on? How are you doing? And tonight we have a special go, special guest, not coast. I don't know why I said that. This special guest. Lisa Lampanelli. Oh my God, making enemies everywhere I go. Like we legit had the most uncomfortable fucking moment a couple uh-huh. minutes ago, and I love that stuff. Yes. Oh, because on my podcast, which we also tape here, but we hide the fact that we tape in Shelton, Connecticut, because we're ashamed of this area. Um, <laughs> my podcast, Losers with a Dream, available everywhere. We talk about boundaries. We talk about you know just speaking your mind and stuff, right. and like LL just speaks her mind. Like it's something that I cannot stop doing. But I think if you do it kindly, they say, do what you say. No, say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean. So I try to live by that, but the meanness sometimes comes out. Hey, a little <laughs> sass wouldn't hurt anyone. It comes out like the Saturday Night Live airplane sketch. Oh, I love that. Did you know that on airplanes, I'm friends with a lot of gay flight attendants because gays are my target audience. I'm telling you, they told me that when you're in an airplane and they, if they didn't like you as on the flight, especially in first class, when you walk out, they say, see you next time, see you next time, because it's their way of calling you a cunt. Yeah. So I love that. Or they'll walk by and they'll say, they'll, they'll have the garbage bag and they'll go, you're trash. You're trash. Oh. And I'm like, this is the greatest passive aggressive way of telling people they're cunts. That's, I mean, I just did it normally, but. I think they have to completely be professional, yes, but not me. Do it with a smile. That's right. <laughs> yes. That's yes. what you got to do. See you next time. Right. I'm use that. Yeah. yeah see you next that. time. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so catering to the gays. Okay. <laughs> Yes, yes, I know. When did that catch on? And by the way, uh, I gay... just thought it was Marv Albert. You know, like Marv Albert. 
Well, the yas part, but not the queen part. Queer eye for the straight guy. That was yes. It's like Marv Albert turned gay. Yes. Well, turned. (laughs) No, but I think he was a bite bagger. But ew, sex. Um, (laughs) gross. Emotionally shut down. Uh, No, but it's funny because last year uh, the yas queen was we we found out. It was an originally, the original phrase for black drag queens. So then it's like, uh-oh, if we say it, we're culturally appropriating. I just try not to say anything anymore because I'm always culturally appropriating. I'm like, let me just not say anything right, except right. the C word. Okay, because right. <laughs> nobody argues with you on that one. That's true. <laughs> That's well, true. I think it's funny. I was thinking about that. And it's actually Native American History Month right now. Oh. And when we grew up, like, I know, like, you're a little older than me, but we mm-hmm. grew up, like, mm-hmm. there was Indian guides. That's hilarious. They had everyone. I know. It was, it's... like, the weird Boy Scouts, but it was, like, racist. Indian yeah, guides, it's not you know? cute. I, like, I, I don't know. It's, like, all <laughs> of it. Any group where you gather a bunch of boys to do anything, yeah. you know, some shit's going down. Oh, yeah. So let's not. Like, I, there's this, this channel that's very nostalgic. It's called, what is it? Antenna TV. And they play all the old, old sitcoms from the 50s and 60s, like Hazel and father oh, knows I've best and stuff yeah, every Hazel. other commercial is one one out of two commercials is for like a lawyer for people who are old and the other one is lawyers for people who are molested it's like if you are a member of the boy scouts or have been molested by a clergyman and i'm like why are they putting this during hazel wow i mean if you're watching hazel you probably weren't touched such as a kid although i hope you know i hope not father knows best oh hey <laughs> let me tell you that show's good Good. I like, I love those I nostalgic things. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot going on back there. Well, of course, those commercials fit in with that. They kind of do. And then there's poor Jimmy Dynamite Walker doing like things about dental insurance. Oh, yeah. I always feel sorry when has beens do those kind of things because it shows they still need money. Right. Like, I don't mind being a has-been. I just don't do shit for the money anymore. Right. It's like, I feel right. that shameful. So I'm like, no, no, no. I'll just do my little podcast and fade away. Oh. <laughs> well, you, I, I have to ask you, we talked about this before, but now that it's on tape since Lou. Thank you, Lou. Yay, uh, Lou. Uh, celebrity Apprentice. Oh, my God. That was insane. What was it like, you know, to be on there? Like, I remember there was D. Snyder was on there. My favorite. Um, and I don't Adam Carolla. The the thing about it is, it was really. I was exactly how I am in life. Like they were like, "Oh my god, do they make you like be more crazy for the camera?" I'm like, "No, that's me under pressure. Like I'm (laughs) fucking insane. Like I scream. I hate when people are stupid and lazy. And I'm like, "No, man, you suck at this. You suck at life." Lou Ferrigno, I just like buried him. And I'm like, I remember saying, "Get ready for an elevator ride, Lou. Get the fuck out." Like I was crazy. But I just wanted to win the money for my charity, which, by the way, I want to have 180 grand for the gay men's health crisis, which is damn good money. That's amazing. I, I only took 75% personally, and <laughs> two gays got cured. So I felt like it was really an accurate representation of how nuts I can be under pressure. So, But I, I also felt like all the men were smartish. Penn and Adam are certified geniuses. George Takei is really smart. Um, like Marco Andretti knew everything about engineering. Like there were the smart guys. I'm on a fucking team with Debbie Gibson and a real housewife. How are we going to possibly oh. win? I felt about it. that They were all about as useful as a tampon at Betty White's house. <laughs> it was horrifying. 
And I was like, no, I have to stay on to prove I'm smarter than these bitches. And thank God I stayed on till the top four. Jesus, I would have been shamed if I didn't. <laughs> but it was crazy. And and we didn't have any, what people always ask about, do we have interaction with Donald Trump and all that stuff? Because they know I'm a Trump hater. I'm like, at the time, I didn't, you know, he wasn't president or anything. Right. And I'm like, oh, no. Like, he literally comes in gives you a task while standing very far away right. so he didn't have to hang with us. Right. He invented social distancing, I think, back then because <laughs> he was like, oh, these losers. And then he judged us in the boardroom. That was it. But like the whole week, you're just doing work with the family and stuff. Right. So we didn't really interact much. Wow. Yeah, it was insane. That's good. Like, I, I, I wondered what that was like. And now God. knowing how you hate Trump. Oy you vey. Know, yeah. There's a lot of hilarious moments. I oh, yeah. About, and I know I told you. I, I love that I retweeted your joke and I didn't even know you because it was actually legit funny because yeah. I don't retweet anything really. <laughs> Dee Snyder dressed up as Christine. He was like had to wear lipstick and makeup and looked horrible and yeah like, he looks like christine aguilera that came out of rehab it's so true and you know what's great about that though d had such a good sense of humor about himself oh, he yeah. would have laughed yeah. like he literally might be other than adam and penn who i'm friends with i think he might be my favorite person from that show yeah, he is awesome. just and a gentleman like he legit we've been to dinner and his wife like you can tell they just have a real bond so i'm mm -hmm. like oh he's kind of defying that stereotype of the rocker right. who's out there in a douchebag right. you know he's a great he's, guy yeah he's funny he actually the first concert i ever went to when i was a kid my dad took me to see twisted yeah oh my okay goodness. that's cool so yeah like that i was like oh i made that joke and then when you were t cursing out lou ferrigno <laughs> I want. I was like, oh, how could I make it if they had to sample the jokes of the Hulk music, like the Incredible Hulk? Oh, you know, yes. You almost had him crying. I was like, man, if they just put that music underneath it, how funny that would be. Well, you know what's so weird, though? Like, ever since I retired from stand-up, like, three, four years ago, I honestly feel like, okay, I've definitely said a lot in public about, like, if I hurt somebody's feelings, they should come up and I'll apologize, send me a text, an email, whatever, right. and uh, on Twitter or whatever, because I really feel like, you know, insult comedy, it's rough. But right. in, at that time, you could do it. Right. Now, I mean, I don't stand behind, like, shaming people who do that kind of comedy. And I'm not shaming myself, but I would apologize. So would once in a while. Now, though, yeah, that that's rough. That's right. But, you know, like, well, <laughs> yeah, but the problem is with, the, with all this is, like, if a guy like Lou Ferrigno is occasionally floating around my head, kind of go, well, I mean, I did what it took to stay on the show. I didn't hate him. You're just playing a game. And I think he secretly hates me a lot because he's done interviews on radio shows I've done and they go, oh, Lou hates you. And I feel like, oh, I'm not going to reach out to him. Like, it's his job to say, you know, let's make up. But it just feels sad to me that there's people out there who, like, really have this resentment and anger, but it's his journey. He can do what he wants. Right, That's right. his baggage to carry. I know. I know that baggage. I know. There, and really, when I think about it, there's a lot of guys who were super mean to me in comedy coming up, and the only reason I'm laughing is because every time I mention them, people can guess what they have in common. My The people who were meanest to me, and now I realize were threatened by me because I never could own that. Right. I never could own I was that good. I go, but they're better than me. But sometimes people just are threatened, and that's okay. Were Patrice O'Neill, Greg Giraldo, and Joan Rivers, and what they have in common is 
they're dead. So I always say anyone who is mean to Lisa Lampanelli dies. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus hates you. And uh, you're next, Louis C.K. Bye, girl. Oh, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people say he's mean. Well, the fact is, yeah. I mean, he was jerking off in front of women who didn't want to see it. There's plenty of women who will play the game. And it's just a power thing. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, Jesus Christ. It's just like so bizarre that anyone would think that's a cute idea. Yeah. <laughs> Now that we're like time talking about comedians, what was your uh, feelings on Dave Chappelle and the whole Netflix thing? I mean, honestly, it's a... Did you watch it? No. Okay. Um, I've seen clips, but also I'm someone who had experienced a friendship with Dave, like for real, for a right, while. Right, yeah. I went to his baby shower. I went to the mosque with him and his wife just to see what it's like, you know? So I was like, huh. And I don't know if this is... Um, because I had so many gay fans or I had gay friends who'd come to the comedy cellar with me, but we stopped hanging out, not by my choice. So I'm not, it, it might be not that, but I'm like, hmm, it, the optics on it aren't good for him. Right. He doesn't care. Yeah. Right. I mean, maybe he does. Maybe things hurt people's feelings and they don't say it. But like, it's just like, mm, in this climate, should we really be kind of shaming trans people? It just seems like a very... You know, for, as someone who used to do it, it seems a little easy now, but people are kind of in pain and dying and black yeah. lives do matter and just, it's fucking crazy. Right. So, hey, it's his, he can do what he wants in his comedy. Right, right. He's funny as fuck. He's probably not suffering financially from any of this, oh, no. but I don't blame people if they protest and like they walked out. I mean, they get to do what they want. Right. right. I'm just so glad I'm not in comedy anymore because I'm like, oh, I canceled myself before I could get canceled. So you, <laughs> so you've had like a tremendous career, uh, being like a stand-up comic, but I would say you are one of the top roast comics I've ever seen. Listen. Greatest roast you ever lived. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was thinking about that, though, because I did a podcast today as a guest somewhere, and I was like, wow, it's really few comics identify themselves as insult comics because it was it's a really hard thing to do unless you love everybody, you make fun of everybody equally, you don't just concentrate on one group. Right. That's why, you know, it's like I always suspected comics who kind of go, oh, those Asians. And I'm like, really? That's the only ones you're going to pick on? No, you have to spread it around. So I think when it comes to insults, it really was Rickles who was the king. Oh, yeah. Me and Jeff Ross, but hardly ever anybody else really just did that. Right. So once I started kind of hating the lifestyle and traveling around and just being just kind of not connected with my real life at home, I'm like, oh, I got to get out of this, which is so weird because nobody seems to want to retire from anything in the arts. They think you have to stick with it for life. And I'm like, right. no, Daniel Day-Lewis isn't acting anymore, so it's me and him. Right. We're brave. Yes. <laughs> well, so, so your stand-up comedy, you, you're retiring your outlet almost. And well, you're, you've, trans, you've changed yeah. your outlet into doing the life coaching and doing a podcast. Well, what's funny is I tried to life coach. This is hilarious. I tried to life coach. I was taking a course, like a three-year course, like not some pussy thing on the internet where you get a oh, certificate. Wow. <laughs> I hated it so much. And I will tell you why life coaching sucks for me i'm a big mouth who likes to talk about myself obviously who doesn't like when people don't change when i think they should change so basically a coach 
They have to have the patience to guide you on a journey. I was like, fuck that. What's wrong with you? Fix your life. So I go, I got to get out of this because that's not the way to do it. Right. right. So I was like, I'm more of an advice giver. Gotcha. So when it came down to it, about a year or two after retirement, I was like, oh, you know, I don't know what I want to do. And I met these two comics, these millennials. And I usually um, kind of judge straight guy millennials. <laughs> and I noticed, though, every time we talked, it went really deep. So I'm like, what's going on? Like, this is kind of cool. Mm. And then they kept talking about vulnerability and they wanted to find love and marriage and kids. And I'm like, oh, these are like, this is a podcast. Right. Two straight millennials on the radio talking about real shit but being funny too as an add-on. Mm. So it wasn't like funny first. Right. As a matter of fact, right. I'm wondering if I should change the category of our podcast because we're listed in comedy. And part of me thinks it's more self-help because right. like Bo, who's on the podcast, is sober. Four mm. years, we talk a lot about sobriety and stuff Four like years. that. Four years, that's yeah, awesome. Right? Isn't that yeah. great? That's awesome. We're kind of gearing up for sweeps when we'll make him relapse. Um, <laughs> I offered him a million. Get a couple of rehabs to sponsor. <laughs> I could get See? Michael Lohan. See? We could do we could See? do a whole thing. Davey, thanks. You yes. know? Isn't it good now that we put his microphone yeah, on? We get to actually hear him. <laughs> we gotta make him work a little. Ah, there you go. <laughs> My microphone need to be seduced a little yes, bit to get turned that, on. Okay. That's, what happens. that's how it but, works. So it ends up like, you know, I end up saying they should do a podcast and I'm like, I'll come on once a month. And then I was like, Oh my God, this is so great right. Right. to come on every week that we got thirty something episodes and I go, It's literally I have never said the words I love every minute of something other than when I was planning my wedding because mm. literally, even though I'm divorced, my wedding was so fucking badass. <laughs> and I loved every second because when you don't have a budget, you have a f great time. Right. right. And then I cannot believe I'm saying this at 60 years old, like the podcast Losers with a Dream that I do with these guys. It is the most joyful. Mm. Like I have so much fun. That even when we did our episode on acceptance and podcast Lou forgot to turn the mics on, okay. I didn't even get mad. <laughs> like you just don't. It's so weird. When it's you all just about love Lou's it. though. Lou Ferrigno, oh, Lou here. Right. It's a Lou thing. Oh my God. Watch and, out for Lou's. But suppose I get Lou Gehrig's disease, then <laughs> I'd be really Oh, don't say that. I, know, well, yeah, I can't wish it into existence. <laughs> but isn't it interesting though, the way when you really like what you're doing, it's just a fun hobby. Right. Oh yeah. You kind of, don't you detach from the results versus I have to do this. Right. Mm. I drive here so happy all the time, despite having to see Lou, that it's really, really amazing. <laughs> and I bring my own mic and my own equipment. God forbid. JK. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Lou. <laughs> Poor Lou. I know. It's like sometimes that's why I was like, okay. I'm a retired comic, but I do still have to make fun a little bit. Oh, yes. yeah. You know you I mean? definitely, yeah. So my you know? poor guys on the podcast and Lou kind of get it a little bit. But, you know, I mean well. Right, right. It's like the guitar player is not going to put the guitar down forever, you know? know. Noodle a little bit at the barbecue, you know? Yeah. That's a good point. Although so there's joke nothing more annoying bit. than the guy who pulls out oh, at the, party. the guitar yes. at the beach. Oh. oh, oh. A friend of mine used to have a joke. Remember how <laughs> Foxworthy, who I love, did you might be a redneck if yeah he, yes. this guy joe bartnick a buddy of mine had you might be a douchebag if and one of them was the guy who pulls out the guitar <laughs> oh my god it's also kind of the guy even though he has to the guy who brings it onto the plane and puts it in the overhead and it takes up five spaces oh okay. yeah i'm like fuck you how is there gonna be room up there for the babies you need the children <laughs> the in the overhead because it's called thinning of the herd thing y'all <laughs> i love when that happens yeah. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's insane. Oh, Laura comes all the way from the city every week. I so. do you? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, you're a team player. Yeah. yeah. Well, I used to live in Connecticut, so yeah. okay. I love it here. Yeah, I um, do love it here too. I have a lot of friends here. Yeah, yeah. And so, she was yeah. my co host when we did radio years ago. So yes. Oh gonna be, are fun. you guys like married? No. <laughs> no. No. Do, do you are you married? No, I was. So I you... have a girlfriend. Oh, and, that's yeah. nice. She lives in Monroe near you. Oh, Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, I t- don't give up my address. I'm super famous, and they can only find it with one click online. Yeah. Like, don't you love that too? Like, you can look you up. Oh, I had know. a stalker Zoom about a year in. and a half ago, right before COVID. I had this whole weird stalker lady who get this. This was actually scary because I've never had it before. She can't. I was away, thank God. She came over, and she we saw her in the ring doorbell, and you know we called the cops and this and that. And she was convinced she was me and that I stole her identity and her act. And she's like, I'm Lisa. And I said to my manager, I said, she is guilty of low self-esteem. Because if you're going to pick somebody to be, why the fuck is it me? I go, pick Jennifer Lawrence. Like, do something. This poor woman. She oh had no life whatsoever. Uh, Did it get scary at all? Dude, yeah. Oh my God. I had to have her arrested, obviously. She hid in her trunk waiting for me to come home. But she didn't have any. The police were like, she's nonviolent. She wasn't threatening. She just wanted to ask you about it. And they go, so we're not. I mean, we're obviously arresting her. Right. And she was from Pennsylvania, drove all the way here, which is kind of a commitment. I was a little flattered. Wow. And, she probably um, was an old school stalker that put that yeah. Google Zoom, zoom in on your address. And like, there you are oh, on your well, phone. And she, she's like, she printed screenshots out it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you remember those? Map yes. directions, you know, take a left the here. Back yeah. of my car, <laughs> the back of my car had tons of map oh my quest God, I love them. Yeah. So many trees. And speaking of printed out, you're going to love this. Speaking of like insult comedy, I have a lot of game nights because I'm really into like board games and shit. Mm. Well, I'm also into recycling because I'm the world's oldest millennial. I finally got woke and decided to recycle three years ago. You know, only 80 (laughs) years late to the party. Right. So on all the backs of all the roasts and my scripts and everything, and I, I had six boxes full of stuff that I put in my printer and use as scrap paper to print on the other side. So one day we're, we take some paper out at game night and it's all these millennials and they're all like multiracial and different sexual orientations and they turn over the paper and one's like, oh my God, like what, what is on the back of this paper? And I'm like, what? And he goes, this says, thank God for the Arabs. At least it keeps the Jews away. Oh my God. Oh. <laughs> Those are jokes. Those are roast jokes. They go, oh, yeah. no, we love it. Let's oh, go. my <laughs> gosh. Now, speaking of your game nights, uh, Ken Skeevelin. I, I know Ken. Yes, we used to sing in a band together. Shut up. And uh, he knew that we were interviewing you. And he oh, said to say hello. He's the greatest. I invited him over for hot tub night last Saturday, but he couldn't come. Oh, how dare he? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I <laughs> hot just. Hot tub time machine. I know. I just got a hot tub because. I feel very grounded in it. Like I'm a water sign, which I don't believe in anyway, but I think it fits with this conversation. Right. Um, But I find it very like soothing. So Mm. I didn't get it to have people over and be in it. But now that I have all these friends here, I'm like, well, that'd be kind of cute. Right. And then to have really being a deep conversation in this hot tub of five people, I'm like, oh, this is great. So you just <laughs> never know where these things will lead. The right, hot right. tub confessionals. Like, <laughs> kind of, oh, wow. That's actually a good idea for a show. <laughs> um, yeah. Because they were talking some real stuff. See, and you guys <laughs> turned off my mic. Yeah. Well, what happens, I think, when you are in a situation like a hot tub and it's not alcohol based? 
I think basically you can just go deep because, I mean, if you're seeing each other in bathing suits and you're all kind of goofy looking, right? just own it. And you're close together and you're relaxed. Yeah. And it's a tub and it's hot. So yeah, it's weird. It, yeah. You know, it's like you're in a bath together. But you know? it's, what's good is it's cold out. So you just feel like, oh, right. you can be you. And you're stuck there because you don't want to get out. Right. So yeah, Ken's good, man. He okay. missed it, but he'll come next time. Aww. I love that guy. Yeah, he's a good dude. He's <laughs> yes. a good fucking singer from what I hear. Oh, yeah. We were in a band. It was my first cover band. I had oh, been yeah? In. We were, he was a male singer and I was a female singer. I'm assuming that. Yeah. But <laughs> I will say. I'm glad right? Laura pointed this I know, out because I people were confused. I forget. You know? No, that's no. cute. <laughs> I was listening also on the way over to a little Def Leppard, a little pour some sugar on me. Oh, and yeah. I imagine that I may sing that in my live show someday because, oh. We didn't announce this. I don't know when this is airing, but it'll probably be before the show. Wednesday, We're right? Doing, oh, yeah. already? Yeah. Okay. Well, any listeners who want to go see me tape my podcast live, there will be some big laughs um, with me, Bo, and Nick. And we're doing Losers with a Dream Live at the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut, and also the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey, December 9th and 12th. So come down, watch us tape, and you'll have an opportunity to ask us questions because, you know, you're going to focus on me and I'm interested. Oh, (laughs) there you go. I know. I love that place. Like, I'm so happy they finally opened like a real comedy club here Mm. because Joker's Wild in New Haven. I don't know if you're. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I did. That's where I did a lot of interviews there with Slap House, Eddie Murphy's brother I did there. Oh, Charlie. Yeah, Charlie Murphy. I did my first comedy show ever as an open mic at Joker's Wild. And I still have the tape. And I was like, oh, I'm meant to do comedy. Like, you know when when you know it. Right. And right. I was like, wow, Joker's Wild had a good place in my heart. It's a shame. They all just seem to go away, they all these go clubs. Away. Funny know? Bones they, is still around, I yep, think. Yep, there's a whole bunch of them, improvs. Uh-huh. But, you know, here in the area, Stress Factory is the... He knows how to run it. Vinny Penn. Uh, Vinny Brand. Vinny Brand, yeah. Yeah, that guy knows what he's doing. Yeah, he had beef, though, with uh, Pete Davidson. You know, well, cause... I would, too. <laughs> well, Pete Davidson is... <laughs> Sorry, he can't really kind of come three hours later. He's a professional <laughs> rebound guy. He's, like, taken up that notch, you know? Like, yeah. most guys are, like, guys that steal girls. He's the guy who's the rebound guy. Like, they get over, and then they throw him away, and then they move on to whoever well, they're supposed to be Well, here's... Let me with. tell you something. He's made a career I out of this. I love it that he attracts these hot women, because it really gives guys who are talented but don't look perfect some hope right so i love that yeah i hope he gets together because i'll be honest with you i'm a big fan that movie did you see the king of staten island amazing movie amazing deep as fuck and i go there's so much there yeah he's great yeah he's great but again that whole like thing of kind of being i don't know if he was late for the club i forget what happened he had a lot of people walking out or no something. they weren't supposed to ask the question he had a contract with Vinny, and they weren't supposed, supposed to ask, to ask the question quick. about ariana grande you mean in a q a or something no they weren't supposed to he wasn't supposed to mention it at all like everyone was not supposed to mention it at all and, and did Vinny. Well, that wasn't smart. Yeah, so oh, that ended, wasn't he, nice. It ended up, and then it became a whole big beef. But I was oh, like, oh, shit. it was the greatest advertising ever. It was in Us Weekly yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that's true. And it, that's I was true. like, the hey, club, it puts the, the club, club on the map. Oh, it yeah. did. It was the greatest thing yeah. ever. I was like, hey, I wouldn't care. I was like, yeah, I love Pete Davidson, but this is great for comedy in Bridgeport right now. Yeah, you know? and by the way, that little area in Bridgeport is so cute. Yeah, yeah. I remember my parents, um, you know, they spent half their lives in Bridgeport, and it's uh, so I have like a little fond memories of it, mm-hmm. like just driving to see my grandmothers and stuff. And I'm like, that's a, that could be decent if somebody tries to revive it. So at least that area is that in the downtown 
Yeah. It's near the Bijou Theater. Right. Yeah. I used to work at a chiropractic office, uh, mm. the Backstroke right there. The Backstroke. Okay, that's an amazing <laughs> yes. name. Yes. I worked, I worked at a... <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like a massage parlor. Hey. Ooh, I mean, let me get the Backstroke. Does, which does. is the same thing, yeah. let's be honest. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, worked, <laughs> I worked at a gynecology office called uh, the Cuntake. So <laughs> what's great about that is it's a good name. It is. <laughs> It's amazing. That's a scary idea, me working in a gynecologist's office. Yuck. <laughs> it's a beautiful area because of all the old architecture. Yes. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. Well, they filmed, they just filmed a movie there uh, that's coming out this Christmas with that guy from This Is Us, that's super hot Justin Hartley. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> For someone who, like me, is emotionally shut down to men and sex, <laughs> even he kind of makes me go, Rrr. Oh, yeah. So they shot it right down there near the Bijou. It's so cute. Yeah, they've been shooting a lot of movies down Mm -hmm. down around there. Connecticut's fucking bomb. Yeah, it really is good. I knew I'd end up here after years in New York and L.A. and stuff. I just knew it. Right, my gut just told me. Right, but sad that all the like we were getting back to that the the comedy places that have closed and Mm. it's good that Stress Factory is is around now and and attracting like huge comedians. You know, that's the thing. The only place we had around here, which makes no sense, Fairfield County is the money. It's like the Gold Coast. Yep. Yet they have the comedy up in like the casinos, which makes sense, the high rollers. But if you want to do a steady business, it's got to be here. And that's that's why it's perfect location. Right. Like that. Foxwoods on Mohegan are great. I used to do Foxwoods a lot. Do you um, remember the Treehouse Comedy Clubs, like in the little dude, city bug places I in Norwalk? I loved <laughs> the Treehouse in Westport. It was yeah. Viva Zapata or yes. something. Oh, Viva Zapata's was great. Oh, my God. It was so good. No, it was in the basement there. And that's when I did a lot of open micing. And I don't know if he's still around doing it in different areas, but- those are like all the memories of that's when people are like, when did you love doing comedy? And I'm mm. like, right at the beginning, right. the first five years where you're just sitting around at a diner with guys, you're like doing jokes, you're helping each other with bits and everything. And I remember there was a rule, hey, if somebody thinks of something and you don't do it, there's a, they get a month before they can uh, do it or you're going to take it. Right. right. So I love that whole team atmosphere. Right. So I think when I decided to do the podcast with the guys... Losers with a dream available everywhere. I <laughs> tell you, it feels like I replicated the best part of my career emotionally, financially. Clearly, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. And it's not going to ever pay like my career did. But, dude, just to feel emotionally like I'm connecting and having this little group of people that you write with, that's right. so much fun. Right. That's my favorite thing. Well, I love the way your your comedy has elevated, you know? I think you say you're a retired comedian. I disagree with you. I think oh. you're a different comedian. You've graduated. You're not an insult comic anymore. You're there telling jokes on experiences that you've had now. It's true. You're right. And softening it up so people don't feel, like, alone or ashamed. You know right, what I mean? Because I didn't really, other than my last special. Cause I've, I've been sober five, 25 years, and so like shit like that it. means a lot. That wasn't there when I got sober. It was just like, shut your mouth and, you know, like, don't do this or you're a dumbass, you know? No, I agree with you. Now and it's I'm like, glad people can really talk about stuff. Like when I yeah. do the live show at the Stress Factory, trust me, we're going to talk all about Bo's alcohol and drug stuff, my food issues, you know, Nick's bodybuilding past. I mean, that's crazy shit you go right. through. And to just make it real, but then, like you say, the little twist of humor, mm. right? People go, they can swallow it without, with with the humor, it lets it go down easier. Opposed yeah. to, oh, this guy's preaching at me. 
So right. I like the combination a lot. So yeah. I'm, I'm flattered you noticed. You know, yeah, I love really it. Cool. I, I've, I always admire comedians, and I look at the different style they do. And you, you're you're saying you're a retired comic, and I don't want to insult you and no, say, okay. no, but you aren't retired. You've okay, just here's elevated how we'll put it. Here, I like this. I'm <laughs> going to say... I'm a retired stand-up because I'm going to do all my talking sitting down. Uh, See, that's what you should do. There you go. Honestly, it's so much fucking easier. <laughs> that's Why what I've been I? doing for years. Thank you. I was a sit-down comic. People yeah. were like, you want to do my show, do impressions? And I was like, no, nah, I'm a sit-down comic. Yeah, just sit know? down and do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I remember it was so, I mean, comedy is exhausting. That lifestyle is rough. And again, very privileged, allowed to do that. Mm. It, it's you know i'm not working in a coal mine but it still just makes you disconnect from things that are really important to you right and just getting that laugh you know it's always chasing the high yeah it is it's an addiction and now it's like ooh, you take these risks by not going for the laugh and going ooh, this is serious right but you know what then you get hit with a deeper satisfaction versus chasing right the chasing p- pleasure the, yeah because then it's almost like getting high because you're insulting people and making people laugh yeah but not caring about the other person and that high is going because well, you don't and care this, and it's though, like, dude but then now yeah, i'm sure different. You, i'm yeah. sure with you though yeah uh, being sober which is so great it's funny because it doesn't fill the hole the high is just you know you get all the laughs you get a standing oh go back to your help hotel room it's too late to call anyone. You're not really connecting, so you're ordering room service. My right. thing was never drugs or anything yeah. or alcohol, but I loved food. And it's like, oh my God, so it's never enough. Yeah, right. never enough. We just did an episode called Gimme, Gimme, Gimme More, and we literally went around me, Bo and Nick, talking about the stuff we tried to use to make ourselves feel better, right. and it never fucking works. Never, right. never. And I don't, I'm, I'm glad they realized that at 30. I mean, it took me till 50-something. Right. So I'm like, okay, good, good. Like, they're going to... They're going to be okay. Right. They're like my two little like special needs kids. <laughs> <laughs> but not the good way. Like them, They're just kind of right. dumb. Well, it's amazing to have so much success in your comedy and be a, you know, kind of a roasting, you know, kind yeah. of comic. And then now you're healing people. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. I mean. It's giving I, back. But what's weird is like I'll do a lot of Instagram lives. I do a lot of, you know, uh, podcasts and stuff and little TV things. And like, but once in a while it does it does hit me. I'm just like, I really wonder if I'm doing anything good. Like, cause I know it feels good. So I could, of course, you know, do what every addict does, which is let me call and make sure, let me call right. so-and-so and tell them to feed yeah. my ego and say, no, you're doing important work. Right. But I think if people just hear the stories that we go through right. on the podcast, like we're just sharing experiences. If that helps people feel less alone. Yes, like, that's absolutely. it. I think that's the big it's, thing. It's the, like from my thing, I mean, I got sober 25, like this is going to be 26 and I'm 50. So I got sober when I was like wow. 25, 24, 25 years old. And there wasn't any of that. I had dudes that got sober with Bill W, <laughs> like oh, in yeah. a meeting in Stanford. Yeah. And they guy, the guy just told me, and I was like, hey, man, I'm here for my... And I had just gotten out of rehab, and the guy was like, sit down here and shut the fuck up. And I was just like, you're going to make coffee. And that's that was it. And I was like, okay. And I did that shit for like two years, just sat next to this dude. And <laughs> I didn't learn much, but I was sober. Yep. And yeah, he exactly. Tricked, that's what he you He tricked needed, me. Right? You know, he tricked me into that. But I needed to do an internal job and like mm. work on all that other stuff. So then... I gained weight, you know, I went from being like 
cokehead, you know, skinny as hell, malnourished, to 390 pounds, right. and then lost all the weight, and now, you know, it's like all filling holes till I finally learned. Yes. I'm still, it's, it's an ongoing process, because you think you know more than of everything. Of course. And it, it, just when things start going good, you're like, yeah, I yeah, got I this, I know. This. Yeah. Let me tell you how to run your life, you know? This is what you gotta do, and then that's when life's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, check it right out, Right back bitch. here, you know? Well, that's yeah. what I always say, I'm a recovering advice giver, because I just <laughs> learned that, like, unless they're asking, they don't want it. Right. So um, my niece has an enormous podcast and they were the man, they were married by, uh, excuse me, they were um, managed by Dave Becky. I mean, they're huge. Mm. So, and they were doing podcasts just out of love. They loved it. Right. They did it. And right. so, it was a miracle and it's good too. Right. So they're doing this podcast. They hate their manager because, but they're young. They're 28. They don't know a manager supposed to call you back. Right. Like literally my manager, if she can't pick up, she, and she's a pro. Right. She's like, oh my God, I'll get back to you in five minutes or is it this afternoon? Okay. They thought they had to eat shit because he's a big shot, the manager. So I remember they kept complaining and going, oh, it's terrible. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, please ask my advice. Please ask my advice. Because <laughs> really, if they don't know the why of why they need to right. change this, I could tell them the how every right. day of the week, right. which is why when you declutter someone's house, it doesn't work. Mm. Because they don't know why they got rid of the stuff. Right. They, of course, the how is easy, but the internal why. So I remember I'm on this trip with them because they're a podcast that does a lot of theater tours. Right. <laughs> and I'm on the road with them for two days and I'm trying to shut my mouth. And thank God, the eighth complaint they had, they go, you know, what would you do? Which, by the way, is the greatest fucking segue because I... I can tell you what I would do. I'm not telling what you, you what you should do. Right. So I go, oh, I, it was like somebody gave me the biggest gift. I go, oh, you want to know what I do? Right. I'll fucking tell you what I do. <laughs> I go, he's fired tonight. You go meet with my manager and you don't even call him to fire him. You have your business manager do it. They fucking did it. And they've never been happier. And their contract is twice what this guy was going to get him. So the fact is. I'm holding back because people don't want advice unless they ask. Right. 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 You know, I had a thing two days ago where a friend keeps changing her story about her emotional uh, journey with something. So I'm finding it hard to keep up because, you know, sometimes you change. Your, oh, he's an asshole. Then he's not. He's an asshole. Then he's not. And I'm oh, like, well, which yeah. is he? Right. So I, I don't think the words called her on it is right because that sounds harsher than it was. But I said, but I go, but I thought you said this. Right. So even reminding her. And then I'm like, that's not even my place to do that. Right. She's not asking me to say that. Yeah. All she wants is a cheerleader. Yeah. So I go, yeah, that's terrible. When people just hear, I'm so sorry you're going through that, that must suck. Right. Oh, wow. I feel you. I think that's all we can do until they say, what would you do? Right. That's holding space, basically. Oh, I right? know, and I hate that. But, yeah. but not, <laughs> it's like a verbal hug, though. That's like a verbal hug, like from right. from afar. It's That's hard all to do. people want to oh, hear. It's like, really you know, hard to right. do. You're doing a good job. You're trying. That's all they want to hear. It doesn't you're matter. Right. You know? You're right. And in that sobriety stuff, it's so funny when you mention coffee because Bo is making coffee tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and he, I said to him last night because we never talk about the secret meetings, but he goes, uh, you know, oh, this fucking coffee commitment. I've been doing it for two years now. I got and I go, well, do it till they tell you you can't anymore, I guess. And and what's funny is one day he sent me a picture of him making coffee 
And it's fucking Folgers. I go, could you guys be more lowlifes? I go, I feel like I feel sorry for this group. I want to get them something good. <laughs> oh. oh, Folgers. How dare. How dare you, <laughs> his fucking spo- drunks. His sponsor must have been one of those cheapos. was like, hey, get them this, you yeah, know, Folgers yeah. crystals. I oh love God. it, you know. I used to, see, I tried going, I liked Al-Anon a lot. Mm. I never grew up with a drunk or dated a drunk. But my mother was, yeah, had a lot of anger issues. She was a rager and a food addict, obviously. So I would go to Al-Anon. I go, this is fucking genius. But the best thing about Al-Anon is, because it's not OA, they got cookies. (laughs) So when you're a fat food addict, you're like loving that meeting. Then you go to OA and there's nothing. So I quit that shit. I said, that ain't going to work for LL. Sorry, bitches. Well, they they don't have meetings like they used to. I know like in Stanford, when I used to, where I got sober, they had this meeting and it was like 24-7. It was like there always, you know, like uh, it was called the Real Club. And they had like Christmas, they had like a Chris Alcathon, they would do it. These people had Thanksgiving, would bring turkey there oh, for people. I love that. It was like the greatest thing. Like my first five years of sobriety was with these people. They were helping me out. We did all fun wow. shit. Then after I got sober, like I had 10 years, got married. I was like, yeah, I'll come back and go visit. That meeting's gone now. And people are like, yeah, those people left a while ago and so-and-so died. And I'm like, Holy oh, man. Shit. It's like the old generation and all these newcomers. When I walked in the meeting, they're like, hey, man, I could be your sponsor. I've got 10 days. And yeah, I was like, like, no, dude, I'm, I'm good. I got like I'm 12 good. years, man. I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, why am I no, qualifying do you, to you? Do, you? do you sponsor a lot of people? Not anymore. Yeah. I, I, to be honest with you, I don't. Uh, the last meeting I went to was probably six years ago right i spoke at a meeting Mm -hmm. and uh i've taken people to meetings but i don't really go that much anymore yeah Yeah. i felt like it's different because the time that i got sober Mm. i got sober with people that got sober with bill w yeah Yeah. these people were like the originators so i like learned from that crew and they're all gone now and so now when i go like you with the comedy with the millennials these are aa millennials now they're like hey you know and i'm like Shut the fuck up, you know? Well, that's like, the thing. Know? We have to learn to always, like, kind of, because, as again, I call myself the world's oldest, oldest millennial because I kind of identify with that group and their beliefs way more than yeah. my age group I hate. Right. Because they, they fucked up everything and now expect everybody to pay for it. Right. So, I mean, I think with, like, Bo and Nick doing the podcast with them, I'm like, oh, I have to, like, kind of learn from them too like i hate that (laughs) and i'm like oh shit so i have things to learn from the younger crowd and i guess i do right i mean i will use a plastic straw still but i know it's wrong i think that's (laughs) as long as you know then it's okay i mean come on no one cared about the plastic straw when they were using it for cocaine that's a good point you know i know what's funny about drugs i've smoked pot a couple times in high school and college never tried a different drug and I said to Bo, how did I never, I worked at Rolling Stone. I mean, I, I worked at real rock. I worked at Hip Parader. Mm. So I was in rock business. How did I never see cocaine? And he goes, you weren't looking for it. And I'm like, wow. I just never noticed anyone in comedy doing drugs. I literally have not been around it at all. Or he goes, you've been around it. You just didn't know right. what the signs were. Yeah, all your friends that had colds. Yeah, and like, I bet that was it. And drinking oh orange God. juice all the time, you know. Well, I told and Bo. I told Bo we're going to stick. I we talked today. We did an Instagram live, and I'm like, like if you relapsed, like the whole idea of thinking through the drink, which I love. Right. I do that with food. I'm like, okay, if I eat this, I'm because my thing is now that I've had the bariatric surgery, your stomach is so small 
that you're so sick if you overeat. It's horrible. Yeah, don't you have to eat like the size? Well, you probably. The tiniest amounts ever. It fucking sucks because I love food. And so you think past, like, how am I going to feel with that third extra bite? Like, am I going to be sitting in the bathroom for an hour? Wow. So I said to him on the Instagram live, I was like, dude, like, if you relapse, like, you definitely have a lot to lose because you would be fired from the podcast, except for the first episode after the relapse, because we got to hear about that shit. (laughs) (laughs) You're out of here. Are you going to play the theme music for Welcome Back, Cotter, if it happens? Welcome back. (laughs) So it's, it's wild. I love talking about that stuff because I think, by the way, this is a question I forget to always ask him. And you'll know this because you're more old school with the um, with the program. Mm. Is it true that in an airport, if you really need a meeting, you can have them announce? Could a friend of Bill, Bill W. Bill, come to gate number yeah. fourteen? Yeah. Like if you're like freaking out. Yep, wow. they do that. That's badass. That's they amazing. do that. They have that at concerts, festivals. I love that. Like the weirdest is like people think Grateful Dead, right? All right, and I'm not like a huge fan. Mm-hmm. Only the original Dead, but like the weird right. wooks and hippies and stinky yeah, weirdos, yeah. millennial hippies now yes. suck my dick. <laughs> oh. All right. <clears throat> But, uh, and sorry, you brought that out. Tell me how you really but feel. But they call it rat dog. They'll be like, oh, there's a rat dog meeting like over here. And there's a whole bunch of sober deadheads like they're having that. a meeting. And I was like, I've been to meetings like all over the place. I've been on vacation in like Myrtle Beach when I was like five years sober. And I went to this one home group, made friends with a whole bunch of people. Next thing you know, I wasn't even paying for dinner. They're taking me out, all these private things. It was like awesome, you know, it's cool. I actually did on the road a lot, used to go to Coda and Al-Anon because Mm. I, you know, I dated a, I can't even say he's a bad guy because I don't believe, I mean, other than truly diagnosed sociopaths and narcissists, nobody's really a toxic person. We're just toxic together. Right. As a friendship or a relationship Mm. or a boss or whatever. So I was dating a guy who wasn't right for me, but he was a, a pot addict. And um, I'm telling you, I would be driven so insane by it. Like just insane that I'd be like in Vegas or wherever and I'd just look up those fucking meetings and go to them. Right. Just to like have the strength not to call this guy. Right. right. You know, cause you got to get away from, I, I have to not be involved with addicts much. Right. It just right. doesn't serve me. Right. Well now with technology, can't you Zoom? Oh yeah, they and, do. Like, yeah. That must be so easy for well, their, they did the zoom now. meetings but i could never do a zoom a meeting i think that'd be weird you i know? did a coda one over christmas because i was so desperate to because my mom had gotten sick she was in uh she'd gotten covid thank god she beat it but then wow. obviously she passed uh mm. months later sorry. but sorry she was that. yeah she was fucking bad she was a badass she would have liked her she had a bigger mouth than i had which is hard <laughs> um but she literally was in this rehab facility you know a, a physical rehab facility and i was at coda online because i was like i have got to figure out who to have in my life now Mm. because everybody i was calling not everybody two of the people i thought i could count on for support they just were advice givey yentas who were saying the wrong thing and too wrapped up in their own shit i "I gotta go to coda to like discard these people but not in a mean way right, right the detach right. with love thing right they're so, vampire friends right oh my god suckers and, and guess what i bet i've been that to other people too yeah that's what kills me it's like here i was for six months after that coda meeting going oh you know 
they really sucked the life out of me for all those years. And I'm like, oh, guaranteed there's 18 people out there saying Same that, Lisa. Yeah, I have to get rid of her. <laughs> oh, no. It's yeah. all about balance. It's a, that's the way yeah. it is for everyone. Yeah. For for everyone that's a sucker to you, you're a sucker to oh, someone it's else. it's the worst because you know? I love to think up until recently, I was like, I am so perfect. How could anyone have a problem with me? But that's one thing, too, <laughs> that I like about the guys on the podcast because Bo, we do a lot of um, writing together at the diner. I help him punch up stand-up. And Nick literally is a sponge. He will tape it and any because I'm very specific about cadence, about syllables, about certain sounds. I know what makes things funnier. Right. Right. And pause, give it a little more, one more second, and then. Right. So Bo, though, he'll tape it and maybe take 80% of it. Nick takes all of it. And then I'm like, oh, it's funny. I have to accept that. Bo has his own mind. Right. right. I have to go. He's like the son who's the middle kid. So he's how I was with my mother. I was the one who didn't follow all the rules, who used their own head. And my sister was the older sister, so she was the good girl. Right. So it's funny how I have to now adjust with these guys because the only way you keep relationships and friendships is that boundary and acceptance. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, the problem is, is we always try to make everyone like us. And I we think know. that that's the thing. Because it's basically, it's not really you're filling a hole. Is everybody's playing God? Yes, you know, yes. I'm. I know better than you, and I. This is if you only did this. If you were, it's, it's basically like saying you're. If you were only like me, I you thought the wouldn't world be would deal- be perfect. Exactly. <laughs> Can exactly. you imagine eight million of me? Yeah. But then I realized that I wouldn't be unique, and I'd be a big pain in the ass to everybody, and everybody would hate each other. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is interesting, and the whole thing about uh, just oh God, I hate accepting people where they are, but we have to. Yeah. Like why? They're not, they're going to do what's right for them. And I had a spiritual leader once say to me, I love this quote because it's so specific. She's like, the exact way she worded it, she goes, if people could do better, they would. And then I'm like, but the way I would do it, and she goes, no, 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 they can't do better. That particular person can't do better than they're doing now. Right. I'm like, wow. So I then, when, when my dad passed away like six years ago, I shifted that because my mother... I always thought that the more difficult parent lives the longer time so you could heal your relationship with them. Mm. And a lot of my friends had that similar thing. And I had a shift with my mother to do. If she could have done better, she would have. Like, no one sets out to yell at their kid. Right. No one wakes up and goes, I'm going to rage today. Right. I'm going to show my kid how to overeat and count on food, you know? Right. So I just go, wow, that sentence helps with the guys. It helps with your listeners. It helps in life to just go, oh, they can't do any better and that's okay. And right. maybe they'll surprise you someday and will, but don't count on it. And that's right. all right. Yeah. Right. Doesn't sounds it? sounds like what my grandmother used to say. She's an old Southern lady from yeah. like a town that was basically modern slavery. The town Boy, mill they. owned like all the houses in the town and everybody that oh. worked in the mill lived in those houses. Where are you going to say, where's your rent? You know, everybody works the same place. Oh, and shit. That's the way it was. But she lived there. And she used to say, people just do what they do, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. She's right. I'd be like, oh, shit, you're right. You know? and, and then I think if you have that openness and you just have that attitude, things do get absorbed by people if you just leave them alone. Right. Like, for yeah. instance, I watched the, oh, my God, I was sobbing before I came here. I watched the Colin Kaepernick six uh, episodes. I've been watching that. I haven't finished it. It's amazing. My daughter loves it, too. The mm. last episode, I just fucking sobbed because it's a beautiful little I won't give anything away obviously but yeah. him walking into his childhood home which I bought my parents home then that's where I live 
him walking in and seeing his former self and interacting, I'm like, oh, wow, this is so like my life. So I go, a year ago, I didn't know who he was. I didn't care. Right. I was like, mm, I didn't even know about Black Lives Matter until George Floyd. I'm like, oh, occasionally you some knowledge sneaks in. Right. So if it's happening for us and we're lucky enough to pick up on it, other people start listening too. Oh yeah, you just gotta right. let them have their journey. Right, definitely. Well, now Absolutely. he's that whole show should, even though it's great and everything else, which I'm with you, they should just call it Colin Kaepernick. I told you so. Yeah, no you shit. You know, because all this shit he said before Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. happened, before all the marches, and now look at all the shady shit the NFL's mm-hmm. doing. And right. they got mad at him for kneeling for the yeah. anthem. Yeah, yeah. You like know, this, that's this, like the most uh, non-violent way to protest. That's well, what they teach you. It's protest one hundred and one. Kneel, yeah. sit. You know, that's right. it. Yeah. So yeah, again, it's just demonizing someone who is oh, doing yeah. the right thing. But so many people have tried to do the right thing and they just get shit on. But now there's yeah. people doing the right thing for the wrong reasons. <laughs> just do it. You got uh uh what's his face uh Aaron Rodgers. He, oh, I don't know about that. He said that he was vaccinated. He caught COVID. Oh, he said he was fully vaccinated, but he know? said some, but he never got vaccinated. But now why it came is out. that the right thing for the wrong reason? Well, it's because he was misleading everyone. No, no, no. Yeah. He, but he did the wrong thing. Yeah, he did the wrong vaccinated. thing. Yeah. Yeah. What a douchebag. Can yeah. you imagine putting yeah. other people at risk like that? Right. I have this enormous guilt about COVID because my mom got it, but I don't think I did it because I would come over, stay far away. She had caregivers coming because she was 90, yep. 91. So she had, you know, the girl, the, the nurses come in and stuff. Mm. And she came over for Thanksgiving to my sister's house and got sick pretty soon after that. And I called this doctor when she got it. A friend of mine's a doctor. And I called him. I was crying, of course, because they didn't think she'd make it. And he goes, you are on a fool's journey if you're trying to figure out who gave it to her. Right. So I was so happy to hear that because it could be come from anywhere. Right. So it's wild that he was a reliever of that kind of pressure. Right. So now I remember when people would say, oh, my God, how do you think your mother got it? And I go, who gives a fuck? Right. Who cares? Exactly. Right. We did, Who knows? You can't track it down. No. But, yeah, I think now it's like. I mean, not getting back. Well, you know, Kyrie Irving's another one, the Brooklyn Nets guy. Like, he's saying he's standing up for, like, people that aren't unvaccinated and can't work. And so now he can't play basketball. He's the second highest paid basketball player in the NBA and he can't play. I guess what we have to understand with those people. They're doing That's what I mean. They think they're doing the right thing, but but it's for the wrong reason. Well, I think a lot of times with um, people of color, a lot of it is because they've been so fucked over. Right. That Mm -hmm. it's like, I'm not going to trust you to do that. So I get that. I mean, if someone's not getting vaccinated just out of fear of a needle or fear that some, put it this way, if you're fucking white, you have nothing bad to compare it to. You don't right. have Tuskegee. <laughs> you don't have all these fucking, like, stop it. Right. Just get it. Don't be stupid. Right. Like, I fucking, that's when I start getting on a high horse. We don't even talk about it on my show because I'm like, we're going to leave politics, vaccines, masks right. out of all this because our show's about feelings and right. You know, right. those kind of vulnerable issues. But I'm like, I like, if a friend of mine says they're not vaccinated, I kind of 
They kind of take a step down in LL's mind. Yeah. We stay out of the politics too because we've interviewed a lot of controversial people yeah, where, where like some way. people are like full on like, you know, QAnon believer types oh, exactly. and then other people are full liberals and then other people are yeah. anti-mask. And so we try to stay out of it and you can always feel it coming. We'll just be looking at each other like, oh yeah, shit, like, oh, oh no, We're no, like, oh no, no. we we'll let this hands. one go. Oh, we've yeah. had someone like let it go and I've like told him straight during the interview, just so you know, I'm not editing this out at all and it will be aired you know right. like, well the thing is what's so funny too with like freaking the q and this and that i just crack up going oh my god i can't believe the things they believe jfk like, jr coming back to be vice president that shit's on. hilarious well, and the guy who runs it is the biggest child pedophile guy of course in the, they are you know and, and he's you know telling Look, everybody I'm, else is doing it you know? i'm a total big liberal sorry don't care yeah. and i literally after this taping i'm going to eat a baby that's what you do. <laughs> Me and Hillary Clinton. I'm gonna go to Chappaqua where the Clintons live, and we're just gonna have child. Are oh, you gonna wear God. the pantsuit too? Of course. Why not? You gotta Quinn? rock the pantsuit. Yes. You know. Yes, Queen. Yes, Queen. Oh my God. Marv Albert Gay. Yes, Queen. Yes. Oh my God. Well, this has been fun. Yes. yes. Thank you so much. Oh, you guys were cool, man. We had that rocky audio start, but I think that first ten minutes is worth airing. Probably because you're not on it, Davey. Oh, yeah. probably. Well, despite you not being on it, it was worth it because we covered some crazy shit. So uh, yeah, I think it all worked out for the best. I, I agree. agree. Yeah, I so agree. let me do one last shameless plug. Okay. Lisa Lampanelli can be heard every week on Losers with a Dream, my podcast. Please look for us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you find your podcasts. And also, if you want to come see us tape live, we're going to be at the Stress Factory in Bridgeport, Connecticut get the very gorgeous Bridgeport on Woo! Sunday, December 12th and New Brunswick, New Jersey Stress Factory on Thursday, December 9th. Get your tickets, y'all bitches. Yes. All right, all right. Yes. yes. Next week, we got a big show. We got Cherie DeVille. All right, all so right. So that'll be our yes. second video. You know, she ran for president in 2016 with uh, Coolio as vice president. Wow. Yes. That would have been better than Trump. Yes. And, yes. I didn't know who they are and that would have been better. Anything, my left nut would be better. Well, they were going to call the healthcare Coolio Care, which I think is okay, the greatest name shit. ever. And she's also a, a writer catchy. for the Daily Beast and a porn oh. star. So it's like, oh, that's a triple whammy it's right triple there. Whammy, oh. So, oh my God. well, thank you. You guys are amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yay. <laughs>